What's up, everybody, basketball NBA fans? Nick here with another episode episode rather, of Full Court Press. As always, I'm joined by Joel. What's up, Joel? What's up, guys? Nothing much, man. And we got a special guest tonight, uh, Ricky. Uh, he's he's my uh, my draft buddy. We do mock drafts every year, and uh, we got him on to talk uh, talk a big trade that's gone down between uh, Boston and uh, Philadelphia, as well as some other topics. Ricky, what's up, man? Hey, guys, how you doing? Pretty good, man. And uh, Juwan will be joining us a little later. Um, he's uh, closing up the store tonight, so he'll be about 30 minutes, and he'll be uh, joining us as well. Uh, so without uh, further ado, let's go in the paint, fellas. Um, so Cleveland lost in five. Gentlemen sweep, kind of how we suspected. That's kind of what we all predicted last week. Um, and so, you know, their future is, is just – crazy right now up in the air um they're they're trying to work out a lot of different moves right now um but before we get into that joel um we'll start with you um do you think there's really anything that they can do to close that gap um i mean as far as the finals i mean losing four to one that's that's pretty big now a couple of those games were pretty close so i, I think they're maybe a little closer than what that 4-1 to indicates, but, but, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, There are things they can do. I mean, um, it was a bigger ass whooping than I kind of expected. I mean, I didn't – I wanted it to go seven games. I wanted – mainly I wanted Cleveland to win because I didn't like what KD's move – I didn't like KD's move, but I was biased. I'm not going to lie. But (laughs) – Hey, man, at least you tell the truth about it, right? I'm not lying about it. That's exactly how I felt. I didn't want I didn't want them winning because of that. But you know, but it was a foregone conclusion when they had when he signed up with them that this was going to happen. We just didn't know how bad it was going to be or how good it was going to be. We didn't know how they were going to compete. But Cleveland, as they are currently constructed, is not a better team than the Warriors. They are not. They're a uh, star down, and they even if they Kevin Love isn't a bad player. At all, and, I, and obviously he's the odd man out of this this trio at the moment. But they need someone that can match up better with the Warriors, and, and it, it just doesn't work with the the way they have it right now. They won one game that way, but it took like a, a crazy offensive effort for them to win that game. You know? Yeah, everybody they, was firing on all cylinders. Exactly, it was fucking ridiculous. But it it but they did it. They did it. They took, they pulled it out and they blew them out. But you know, it took. Like a crazy offensive effort from the Cavs that they just couldn't sustain, and and the Warriors' defense too was stifling. So and the Cavs' defense has been was spotty. They've been inconsistent with especially with the defense throughout the year, and it eventually costed them at the end. You know, but I do believe they can make moves. It's just a matter of what moves, and and it's probably by addition by subtraction. But I, even that, it, it's just hard to believe that's going to be enough. You know. Yeah, it'll. It, I mean. It's going to take a lot. Um, Ricky, do you kind of see it the same way? Do you think the divide is is kind of that great between, I mean, really the Warriors and everybody else, but specifically the Warriors and the Cavs? I mean, I I agree with Joel. 
in the sense that there is some kind of move that you could make to potentially, you know, go out there and kind of compete more, like going after Paul George or maybe Jimmy Butler. But even if that did happen and you got one of those and you traded away Kevin Love, I still kind of think the Warriors would still go over in, let's just say, next year's finals. Um, especially, like, I, I just don't see them. I think you can push them to, like, a game six or a game seven, maybe if you make one of those five moves for still give the edge to the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, as as much as I hate it, and, like, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily, I mean, it sucks not having some amount of parity. I'm hoping Boston will kind of maybe change that a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see where Chris Paul lands. You know, I mean, I think yep. if he if he decides to go to Houston, that could definitely shake things up um, in the West. San Antonio is always competitive. Um, yep. But, like, yeah, I mean, as of now, it's just it's it's hard to imagine the any team, really, and particularly the Cavs, making all the necessary right moves and having everything go your way because that's what has to happen. I mean, that's what happened in order for Golden State to be able to achieve the roster that they have. I mean, yeah. it took – Steph Curry, you know, being kind of banged up a little earlier in his career and being a little bit of a late bloomer as far as adjusting to the new NBA um, or to, to, to newly being in the NBA, rather. Um, so, you know, they they were able to get him on a super economical contract. I mean, I think the only one that could possibly rival it would be Isaiah Thomas's, And, you know, with that, they were able – to go out and get Kevin Durant being that the salary cap just rose so much this off season. So, I mean, it, it took just all the cards to fall in the exact right places for them. And it's hard to imagine. And not to mention just getting lucky um, with their draft picks. I mean, there's a certain amount of scouting obviously that goes into it um, and skill in that department. Um, but, you know, who, who would have thought that Draymond Green would be as good as he is at number 35, so, right. it, yeah, it'll be interesting. So, obviously, um, you know, the, the Cavs need to make a move. Reportedly, the uh, Pacers have already offered Paul George straight up for Kevin Love. Joel, do you make that trade? Um, uh, you know, also, the, the Cavs are, are reportedly trying to find a third team to – maybe send love and get Butler instead. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how much that would cost and what team would be willing to um, take Kevin. So what? Hey, um, Nick, are you there? I think we lost Nick. I think we okay. lost him. All right. Oh, so hey, sorry. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm here. Um, sorry about that, guy. Uh, I accidentally hit the mute button on my phone. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, you know, basically what I'm getting at is, you know, the Cavs are trying to make moves. You got Paul, the Paul George offer has already been levied. They're, you know, potentially wanting to go after Butler. My only hang-up with that is the trade, like, I guess reportedly would involve a third team that they would send Kevin Love to who could help them 
pull the assets together to get Jimmy Butler. I don't right. see a third team doing that, you know? Like, right, right. why would you Why would you want to get love and give up assets when you could give up assets and get Jimmy Butler? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, who wants so, love but, that bad? What's that? I said, who wants love that bad that they would give up assets? Right. When you could give up, you know, conceivably, you know, pretty close to the same assets and get Jimmy Butler. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't see another team doing that unless you, right. I mean, I guess unless you already have a great, you know, uh, player that kind of is everything that Jimmy Butler is. But even still, I still feel like, you know, you can't have enough wings in this day and age. There's, there's plenty of bigs. There's plenty of point guards. There's not enough wings in the NBA. So I don't, I don't see any way in which that happens. But I can understand why they would want to go after Butler because he's got two years remaining instead of Paul George's one. But anyway, with all of that in mind, Joel, um, you know, do you accept the Paul George for Kevin Love trade and then just maybe hold pat with that? Or, you know, can you see any way in which the Butler trade is conceivable? Uh, yeah. well, I mean, that's two different trades, I guess, right? George and Butler. I think both are possible, but if I'm the Bulls, it really depends on what I'm getting back. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't do it straight up. Like, I, I wouldn't want Kevin Love or Paul George. I'd rather just get assets because at this point, if you're losing Paul George or if you're Chicago and you're losing Jimmy Butler, you're, you're essentially rebuilding because I wouldn't want to build around Kevin Love. Yeah, yeah you know the I mean? the report the report that I read um said that, you know, the the Pacers have already offered uh offered Paul George in exchange for love and there would be a third team involved to take love and they would get some kind of assets. Um yeah. so but I mean cool. I, I think I think in that kind of like because just because Paul George is like trade value has just plummeted because they waited too long and now everybody knows that he wants to go to um, the Lakers and so he's, you know, just yeah. a rental unless you're a team like the Cavs who can plug him in, compete for a title and convince him to stay. Um, but, but like, with that in mind, um, you know, if you're the Cavs, does that is that worth the risk to you when you have Kevin Love for at least two more years and, you know, let's say you go in and, and the end result is the same. I mean, you have to figure Golden State, as long as they keep um, – I mean, obviously they're going to keep their core, but as long as they also keep um, Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, um, I mean, you have to figure they're only going to get better as they have more time to gel with one another. Um, so, I mean, is that is, – is the risk worth the reward, in your opinion? Uh, for who? For the Cavs. Uh, if it's for the, the, it really depends because, like, I think it is worth the risk because, let's say, you give up. Like, if let's say it's Paul George, and you give up that asset, and you probably probably might go to LA next year, but at the same time, you don't know about what's going on with his LeBron either next year. So it's basically a crapshoot right. regardless. And if he leaves, yeah. and you, that means you're off Kevin Love's uh, list too, because you don't have to pay him. So you lose George and LeBron. To, and now you can rebuild if you're Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? So it might be worth yeah, it, but I, at the same time, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, I'll take the chance to see if it's worth it and go at it this year for a championship against the Warriors, see if it works out. If it works out, then we do it. You know, I'd take the one year. I'll take that rental. You know what I mean? I'll do that. Now, if I'm the Lakers trying to get Paul George, it's, it's they put the Lakers in a position where the Lakers don't have to make any moves because they know he's going to go there regardless at this point unless he goes to the Cavs. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not, I'm so not it'll sure. be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know – now with the with the initial report out there that um that they you know have already basically offered him offered Paul George in exchange for uh sending Kevin Love to a third team and getting assets back uh by the way the third team was unnamed so no one's quite sure um which team it is um but it, you know it'll be interesting too to see if you know the Lakers decide that hey maybe we need to try to make something work you know, maybe we send right. Julius Randle, um, and, you know, maybe they'll take Deng or Mozgov, you know, along with that deal. I doubt it. Right. Um, I mean, it would basically just all depend on what they're going to, what they're getting back in that three team deal with Cleveland. Um, so Ricky, I mean, if you're, if you're, I guess Dan Gilbert, since, uh, since David Griffin is gone, um, like, do, do you, do you make that move? I mean, to me, the biggest the biggest risk is is you know if you if you do make that move and then you lose both and 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 you know George walks, then LeBron you know is probably going to walk too, and then you don't have the asset of Kevin Love anymore to try and flip into some kind of future assets to kind of rebuild around Kyrie Irving. Um, but you know if you just know you're not going to be able to compete for a championship. Maybe it's worth it to go all in on Paul George. Um, what do you, what do you think about that, Ricky? Would you do it? You know, I actually would not do that. Um, I would not go in for George. I'll tell you why. Um, like you said, George has already expressed interest in joining the LA Lakers next season. He has one year left on his contract. So if you trade for him, then, you know, you're pretty much ready for one season. Um, like you said, Kevin Love has more than one season. You say two years, right? Two years left on his contract. Yeah, two, and then a player option for the third, I believe. Uh, okay, so yeah, you got him for a while. Um, Kevin Love's not a bad player at all. You've seen him had some pretty good games in the finals, so he's. It's not like he's just not doing anything for you. Um, so he's a solid third option for a championship team. As of right now, they're pretty much guaranteed unless the Celtics do something crazy, they're pretty much guaranteed a spot in the championship next season because it doesn't look like much is going to change unless, you know, like the Celtics do some crazy move for Anthony Davis or um, Jimmy Butler or Paul George or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Paul George is, I would say, better, in my opinion, than Jimmy Butler. But I do think that you try to move, make a move for Jimmy Butler instead. Um well, you've you know, got that extra year, which I think is huge. Yeah. And I know Joel said something about, you know, in case LeBron leaves or something like that. I honestly don't see him leaving at all. I know there's been some kind of reports for him joining the Lakers. I just don't see that. I don't see LeBron leaving Cleveland once again. Um, he did it with Miami. That was to get his ring and then let, you know, Cleveland rebuild. I just see too much love for the city of Cleveland that LeBron has and uh, 
love or the state of Ohio in general. I just really don't see him leaving at all. So I mean, I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure now that you just kind of try to make a move for Butler, maybe if you want to chance that and chance the team chemistry right now, because really you're pretty much guaranteed a shot at the championship next year. Um, I don't know if you just okay with going to the championship and you know losing to the Warriors or not, but honestly, I would not do the deal with Butler. I mean, for um, George, because like I said, yeah, one year. What if that doesn't work? What if George doesn't play well with the team? If the team chemistry is off and you just cost yourself a championship appearance, I don't really think that move is smart. But it, it might be, you know, it might happen and they win the championship next year and it proves me wrong. But in my opinion, if I'm, you know, if I'm the GM of the Cavs right now, I would not take that. I would not take that deal. Yeah, and I think I think the juxtaposition of both of y'all's arguments is is kind of the reason why we haven't seen it done yet. Um, uh, uh, you know, in, in addition with, um, you know, the, the GM situation in Cleveland being, you know, a clusterfuck right now. Um, you know, I mean, they basically, uh, they're kind of in a situation where, you know, they could have already made this move. They could have decided that, hey, we're going to go get Paul George. We already had the offer. Obviously, there's a reason why they're not doing it, so they're they're not sure if that's necessarily the right move. And no, I think no, I, I think it's say, my back. Go ahead. Now I will say, if there was some way where you could trade for him and like with a guaranteed contract extension, then I would totally do that deal. I would totally trade Kevin Love for Paul George straight out. If there is a guarantee, I would get him on a contract extension. Now, right, just but the only guarantee and, that you can get would be like a verbal promise yeah. from, from Paul George, yeah. and I don't think he's willing to give that, honestly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's important for, for them to do their due diligence and to maybe try to see if they can get Butler. And then, you know, if they can, I do think that's a smarter pick because of the extra year. Um, and uh, But if, if my back's against the wall, I think I'm with Joel. I think I would have to take Paul George. I just, I mean, I feel like just because of his versatility, the fact that he's such a good perimeter defender, if you get Paul George, he can guard um, Kevin Durant probably almost better than anybody else, you know, in the league. I mean, there's there's only a couple guys who could actually kind of keep him in check somewhat. So, I mean... I think you have to do it. Um, we got Juwan on the line, uh, so I'm going to bring him in and, and get his thoughts uh, on this whole deal. Juwan, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, not so much, brother. Um, so uh, you've been listening. What do you think about uh, everything that's going on in Cleveland? Um, do you take the Paul, Paul George for Kevin Love kind of straight-up deal? Um, do you maybe try to experiment and get Butler instead? You know, what? where, where are you on this right now? Um, I'm with you and Joel. You pulled the trigger on Paul George. Um, you you get somebody who can guard up to um, four positions. Jimmy Butler, and I keep yeah. stressing this, you guys might disagree, but Jimmy Butler to me can only guard about two positions tops. 
Um, Three, I would say he can guard the point. Like, he he can't guard the four. It depends on the point. It depends on the point. So, so, so more more to the point, do you think he can guard Steph Curry? I'm not. I don't think yeah. he's keeping up with Steph. Curry. I agree. I think. I, I think Paul George not only has um, the length to keep Steph Curry in check, but he has the body that can kind of check him. So when he's doing all those crazy crossing moves and stuff like that, he has the length that can cover, and he has the body to stop Curry from trying to drive. Jimmy has. And the he's body a better offensive player. The length. And and he's a better offensive, more consistent offensive player. Because when Jimmy Butler's on. He's as hot as anybody, but his his problem yeah. is just like Kawhi's. It's not consistent. Um, but I'm pulling the trigger on Paul George. And, Ricky, to your point, when you were saying you're not even sure Paul George is going to stay past this one year. I say to that, name me somebody of significance that's left LeBron. That's a good fucking no. point. You all went quiet because nobody's left LeBron yet. So my thing is we are um, underestimating – we're underestimating the persuasion LeBron has over some of these guys. What if they yeah. go out, let's say they get Paul George and they win this year's final. How do we know LeBron doesn't tell Paul George, listen, let's keep this thing going and stop those guys over there in Golden State from ever winning anything else uh, in the next few years. Um, and what I say to the idea of the, the Warriors, Iguodala is gone. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He wants money. He has his two rings. He felt as though he's done uh, everything he can do, and he's looking just to get paid now. So you're looking at Sean Livingston and a bunch of young guys coming off that bench, unless they can maybe get some veteran minimal uh, contracts in there. Vince uh, Carter, Vince Carter I think, will go there. Maybe like a Vince Carter, stuff oh, like that. Uh, right, but that, that to me isn't an Iguodala. Like, that's not – remember that play Iguodala had on LeBron? to save that, that last game, that defensive stop, you're not going to yep. get someone that's going to replace that. Um, so that's yeah, Vince Carter's 40 years board. old. I mean, he's he's athletic as hell right. for 40 years old, but still, that ain't no uh, yeah. right. dollar. Don't sleep right. on no so B- what I'm saying no. is – Don't sleep on BC. No, 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 I'm not <laughs> – I'm not, I'm not oh no, dude! Off. I'm, just, I'm, all, I'm just I love insanity. You're like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm just saying he's not he's not uh, defensive. He's not defensive minded like Iguodala. So what I'm saying is, right. you getting a Paul George overcompensates the Cavs because not only can Paul George play off um, play with the bench when LeBron's resting, and that can keep your momentum going, um, he can also bring that defensive edge. Uh, to the team. So, I mean, when you look at the Cavs, just right now, if you just go Kyrie, J.R., Paul George, LeBron, Tristan Thompson, there's no way you're telling me that you're not giving the Cavs a chance to win in seven. Yeah, no, I mean, I certainly think that they have a chance, and I and I think that is ultimately why I do kind of agree. Like, I've, I've gone back and forth on this so many times, um, and, and I almost kind of wonder if maybe this – this is the reason that um, that there was some kind of uh, split between Griffin and and Gilbert. Like one sees it one way and one sees it the other. I mean, I think that's the most obvious. I mean, and who knows who saw it which way? Um, like honestly, I could see I I could see it going either way. I could see you know David Griffin basically being like, look, like if we do this, you know, we could lose LeBron and. Uh, and Paul George, 
And then, you know, Dan Gilbert being like, yeah, if we don't do this, we can lose LeBron. I don't give a fuck about losing Kevin Love. Like, I don't want to lose LeBron, right. dude. You know? Right. And, I mean, to the, point, to the point you guys are making as far as if you're Pacers, do you want Kevin Love? I want to remind you guys, we have not say. since Minnesota <laughs> seen Kevin Love at his full potential. Um, we've right. seen the same thing with Bosch. Whenever you get two alpha males like a Kyrie and LeBron, you automatically take this huge back seat. So yep. in, uh, Indiana, in, uh, in Indiana, you give Kevin Love a chance to where it's just him and uh, Miles Turner. Miles Those Turner. And I think they out. would play great off each other. I mean, they, exactly. each, they each Miles, can spread the floor. They Miles, have range. Miles Turner, exactly. young, athletic, can protect the paint, exactly. can do everything that, can I, that Kevin Love can't do defensively. Exactly. And the crazy thing is, think how many rebounds just those two are getting that team. And if you get rid of Paul George, Probably like I keep 30. telling people this. Exactly. <laughs> and I keep telling people this. Everyone keeps saying I'm insane. But if you trade Paul George, do you know who you can get at least on a two- to three-year uh, run that can fill that, that, that void at the small forward? Go out and get yourself a goddamn Rudy Gay. Go get Rudy yeah. Gay. To, to line up with Monte Ellis, to line up, I um, to line up with uh, Jeff. Oh Steve, man, Monte Ellis round... is trash, bro. No, 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 yeah. he is, he is. I'm not, I'm not saying it like Monte Ellis. Ran sport. No, I'm just saying who, who they have, who I, they have. On I would, the I would right start, now. I would start Lance Stevenson over, over Monte Ellis because there you go. Don't Yo, get me wrong, so Lance Stevenson, Lance finish. Stevenson is garbage for every other team in the NBA, but for yeah, some okay. reason he plays well when he's in a Pacers uniform. <laughs> So then, let me say this then. Let me say this then. So you have um, Jeff T, Lance Stevenson, Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Miles Turner. That to me is definitely at least you are literally you're literally not taking a step backwards as far as the playoff picture is concerned. No, you're at least a playoff. I mean, at the very least, exactly. Like you don't have to go through a whole rebuilding process. You can still tell your fans, look, we're still we're still in this. We're still in this. We got guys that can, um, you know, keep us competitive this entire season. That right there is a playoff lineup. So if I'm is Indiana, it? I'm not worrying about, like, um, you know, we got to get the best offer we can get for Paul George. The best offer you, you're going to get you can't is coming anymore. from the Cavs. <laughs> right, yeah, you can't and anymore. But I'm saying trade right. asset is the best trade asset is coming from the Cavs. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, in addition to that, I think because Rudy Gay's bird rights reside in Sacramento, I think Indiana could um, offer a, a sign-in trade with Thaddeus Young um, because they, I mean, if they get Kevin Love, Thaddeus Young fits yeah, best at the four. That. They don't really need that. They have Lavoy Allen, who's a reasonable backup, uh, power forward, center combo player. Um, I mean, I think I, I think you move. I think you move him to make it work as far as, you know, the cap space is concerned and as far as, uh, you know, like basically being able to uh, maximize the amount of money that you can give Rudy Gay. Um, Because, I mean, obviously he's interested in the Heat, but let's say the Heat go out and sign Blake Griffin to a max contract. Now they can't give Rudy Gay all that much money. So, you know, if you can – if you can include that to Sacramento, I think they would be highly interested in getting Thaddeus Young for a couple of years. Um, to, I mean, 
the only power forward they have on their roster right now is Scal to be there. So, you know, right. I think that something we don't know what he's going to be. So, I mean, oh, I think Scal's going to be a really good player, but I mean, you still need a backup. Yeah, I think we'll see. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, and Indiana's dilemma on who to take. I mean, on on uh, whether or not to pull the trigger on the trade. If I'm Paul George, I'm thinking to myself, what what's a better situation than Cleveland right now? If I if I say he goes to Cleveland, like what's a better situation? Because if you're going to Los yeah. Angeles, it's not the win. Yeah, it's just for your your kind of blind love slash loyalty to the Lakers because you grew up a big fan of the Lakers. But like the thing is, right. like there is time down the road to go play for the Lakers if you can sign like a. I mean, for this probably this is what I would do, and I and I'm not sure how many years um, he's been in the league at this point, but um, but what I would do if if I was Paul George, I would sign, like if I got traded to Cleveland, even if you don't win a championship, even if you just make it there and compete for one, I would probably at least re-sign with the Cavs uh, up to my 10-year earmark, because as we all know, once you pass once you've played 10 years in the NBA, then you're eligible for that, you know, 35% max contract. Um, And then, you know, then you maybe say, hey, Lakers, like, you know, you've had a couple years. Now, you you know, you've gotten Dang and Mozgov off your roster. Um, You know, give me a, you know, max contract and I'll come play for you. Like, you know, but that would give you two or three years to compete for a championship. Well, I mean, Paul George right now seems like the biggest um, backwards talker because he goes, he wants to leave Indiana to go right. win, and then goes the team I want to leave them for, the Lakers. So, I mean, if I'm Indiana, I'm like, well, I guess you just don't like being here because yeah. you're not going to go win. And yeah, because they ain't winning anytime soon, bro. Right, yeah. which is fine that you don't want to be here, but don't lie and say the reason why you're leaving is because you want to win and the place you want to go to is Los Angeles. Like, that's just so well, bad. No, I, would say, I would say by all means lie, only because, I mean, what would be what would be worse is him saying, I don't want to be in fucking Indiana anymore. <laughs> like, fuck Indiana. <laughs> I mean, like, I want, I mean, I want to be, I want to be where it's, like, warm year-round and, like, you know, celebrities and, you know, the, the purple and gold and all that jazz, Magic Johnson, like, um, I mean, I would much rather him say I want to compete and just kind of bullshit than, you know, Indiana sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, we know we know he wants to compete, but it's just a matter of, like, dude, who do you think you're fooling? Like, who do you think you're going to go win in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, dude, like I said, it'll be interesting. So, uh, I do want to bring this up. Um, I read a report about 20 minutes before we got on here uh, that basically said that the Cavs are pursuing um, – they want to – they're basically uh, on the trading block. They have put Channing Fry and Iman Shumpert, both of whom – Channing Fry has one year left on his deal, and Iman Shumpert uh, can opt out of his uh, contract next year. He has a player option. Uh, combined uh, with their salaries together in the 125% trade exception, 
where you can take on 125% of the salary of what you're sending out. Uh, with those two combined, the um, Cavs can take on about $20.5 million, which would be in the neighborhood of, you know, any any one of those Butler, Paul George, uh, any one of those, like, free agents that signed a few years ago before the cap spiked. Um, do you see any scenario in which they send Kevin Love to um, Indiana in exchange for Paul George and then just throw out as many draft picks as it takes to package Shumpert and uh, Fry for Jimmy Butler? No, and the main reason why I don't see that working is because I was just listening to um, uh, Colin Colin Coherd's, uh show earlier, and he was saying yeah, the Cavs don't even have. What are you saying, Nick? I just said he's kind of a tool, but go ahead. Oh no 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 no! no. I, this isn't even this isn't even anything he said. This is some uh, someone said that came just, on his show. Um, got you that Cavs don't stuff. have. Um, Cavs don't have. I think he said protected picks. Um, for a few years, like any picks that would yeah, be it's interesting it's, to somebody. It's 2021, uh, because right, here's the right. thing. The, the, the Hawks own their 2019 pick, which is top 10 protected. Um, but okay. after, after this draft goes through, they can um, basically move that pick back to 2018. It's the same thing that they did with Portland last year in order to offer the Hawks the 2019 pick. So they could say, Hawks, we'll move the pick back to 2018 so you get the pick next year and we'll take the protection off and, you know, you you can have the pick next year. If they did that, they could offer 2020 and 22, 24, 26, 28, like however many picks it would take. Like, to me, like, as crazy as it sounds, if I'm going, like, if I'm going to go get Paul George, like, I'll give up five fucking first-rounders if I can get Jimmy Butler on that team, too. Because if you have, like, if you have Kyrie, Butler at the two, George at the three, James at the four, and then Thompson, unfortunately, at the five, and maybe, I mean, maybe you can even work out some kind of crazy scheme in which, you know, you swap Thompson for Robin Lopez, you know, who would be much better. Um, like, I mean, I would, I would just sell the farm for that team. Uh, you know, I, I would well, give as many draft picks uh, as it took to get that team. Well, I'm going to be That's completely crazy. honest. Um, unfortunately, their owner would would agree with you, but whoever they get is GM. Um, I saw Joel put not. Uh, about Chauncey Billups, possibly. Um, uh, being up for, for GM. Um, but yeah. if I'm a GM for the Cavs, only reason why I'm not giving the farm to go get Butler, and that's not to say that, like, um, Butler's not a phenomenal player or anything, but the only reason why I'm not doing that is because I have no guarantee that, one, Paul George stays, and, two, LeBron James stays. So that yeah. team, if those but, two guys but, go, is completely gutted. And I'm back to where I yeah, was a few years ago when he I, went to Miami. I agree. Um, Yeah, you're you're much worse off. And I'm not saying that that they would have to give up five picks. I'm 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 being uh, hyperbolic when I say that like I would give that up. Um, What's that? Exaggerating much? (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, a little bit. But, like, I, I mean, I do think if you can, like, I think if you can assemble that team together, I don't, like, I think there's even, there's almost no chance that Paul George or, I mean, imagine, like, imagine you had Jimmy Butler, um, you know, guarding any, see, I would, honestly, I would probably put Jimmy Butler on Steph just because I think he could guard him better than Kyrie. Put Kyrie on um, on uh, uh, Clay uh, just because Clay is a catch-and-shoot guy and that's one of the easier type players to guard. Uh, then you could put Paul George on KD and then you got James on uh, either Iguodala or uh, Draymond Green if Iguodala even stays. Like, you match up very well defensively on that team all of a sudden. I agree with you, but if if I'm Chicago, uh, the scenario that you were saying that was um, exaggerating, I don't think it was. I think Chicago would add for that many picks because they're giving I think you three. such a high-caliber player. Yeah, I, I think, think four. three. I'm going to be completely I think... honest with you. I think four. Uh, see, I think three, and then maybe you could float in some second rounders in there to to make it work. Um, I know that the uh, Cavs like own the two thousand. The, they the Cavs own the two thousand nineteen second rounder from either Minnesota or the Lakers, whichever is not as good. But either way, I think that'll be a pick in the forties. At that point in time, so you know that's a, that's a reasonably decent pick. Um, you know, I I could, I think three. I I mean that's at least from a GM's perspective, that's what I would be willing to give up. I'd say, you know, we'll move the Hawks pick back. We'll give you a twenty, twenty-two, and uh, twenty-four. And like if, if you're I was, the Bulls, if I was like, the GM, go ahead, Ricky. If I was a GM and already had. George and it was four first rounders for Butler. I I would give it up in a heartbeat. If that that's a team that could honestly can well not even contend but could beat Golden State and you know I I would even argue that be could favorite, be better than honestly. Golden yeah, yeah, so I was saying I, I would even say yeah. So I mean four first rounders now. I don't want to end up like another Brooklyn and you know have the super team and not work out and then be first rounder list forever. But yeah, but you, that's honestly, the thing, but you got young guys. They, they hedge their bets on old guys. You're like, I mean, three yeah. of your four players, three of your four of that big four are under the age of 30. So, I mean, yeah. LeBron's the only one who's older and LeBron is probably the, only player in the NBA. I mean, he's he's historically speaking, at least the only player in the NBA to still be getting better in going into his 14th season. Like, I mean, I think I don't know if you guys agree with me. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made for the 2013 season, I believe. Um, but like, I think LeBron just had the best season of his career. So, like, I mean, if you could pair all of that up. And and honestly, like, with today's NBA, like, I know LeBron has kind of fought playing the fourth. He had to do it a little bit in Miami the last couple seasons. He was there, and he didn't really like it. Um, and that's, you know, that was one of the reasons why, you know, when he went back to Cleveland, he lost so much weight. 
like he trimmed his body down so that he could mm-hmm. be faster. Um, but like, I, I think honestly, like the way the NBA has shifted and how soft the, the play is at the four, like I, I think he, he would be better off playing the four like long term. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have to guard as many, um, super versatile wing players, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, he could, even if he did, you know. That's the easy. Yeah, I mean, he could could easily switch on them, but he doesn't have to be the primary guard, guarder, if you will. Right. So, yeah, man, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see, like, what all kinds of crazy shit the Cavs have up their sleeve. I mean, I think if nothing else, you, you add Paul George for uh, Kevin in exchange for Kevin Love, and you try to go compete with that. And and you know what, like, Jawan, I mean, you may have somewhat of a point just in the sense that because Butler is so streaky, um, do you really want to give up three or four picks, three or four like first round picks, in order to get him when when J.R. Smith is the same kind of player, just not nearly as good. You know, I mean, Jarrett Smith is, is, is very similar. Yeah, Joel, you're you're saying no fucking way, right? Yeah, it's not the same player at all. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying, no, no, no. Uh, d- don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm saying they are the same type of player. They are a, they're, they're a defensive-minded player. I mean, Jarrett Smith has, wasn't known for that until, like, last season. Um, but, like, he took great strides forward, like, as far as his, like, defensive game last year and was a big reason why Cleveland ended up winning the championship last year. Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's also – he's very streaky. But when he's on, man, he's yep. one of the best three-point sh- – I mean, we saw him. Like, if he had turned on his game – like three games earlier, that series is completely different. You know what I mean? I mean, like he didn't turn it on until game four. So yeah, if he turns it on in game one, say, go ahead. I'll go a step further and say if I'm Cleveland, I don't want to give all those draft picks for Butler. Main reason why is Butler's very young, and there's no way he signs an, ex- uh, an extension to stay in Cleveland because there's no way he's going to be fourth fiddle. Um, when he's that talented, so you'd only so like the have Clay, almost like the too. Clay Thompson, almost the Clay like Thompson. The Clay. Uh, like I feel as though when yeah. Clay's time is up, he might want to go too. He might want to be a premier guy than just a cog in the wheel. So there's no I way. I'm hoping. I am so hoping that my Hawks can work out their salary situation to where they have a lot of cap in 2019. Fucking get him, because if you <laughs> if you had Schroeder, Clay Thompson, and uh, Victorian Prince, like that's a that's a good foundation. Um, I I know it's a pipe dream, but let me have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I want to ask one more question before we move on to uh, you know the the crazy trade scenarios and everything that's going on. Um, I think if I'm LeBron James, I'm calling up Carmelo Anthony and saying, "Yo, bro, get." Phil Jackson to buy you out of your contract. Um, and I think, I honestly think Phil Jackson would if you, if, if Melo was like, I think he's owed like 26 
plus million dollars next year. Like if if Mello went to Phil and was like, I'll take twenty million dollars. You buy me out for twenty million dollars. You don't have to deal with me anymore. I don't win you five extra games a year, so you can basically tank. You can add, you know, a Frank Nilakina or a Dennis Smith. Pair him up with Porzingis, and you know, try to build around that. Um, and and then, if I'm Mello, of course, at that point, I would go sign the veteran minimum uh, with uh, Cleveland. What do you guys think about that, Ricky? I want to start with you. I know all of you guys are Knicks fans, um, but I think Ricky is like the most outspoken Knicks fan, Knicks fan that I know. So, Ricky, I want to start with you. Like, do you do you think Phil would do that? Do you think Mello would would do that? Like, what, what do you think about all of that? I mean. As a Knicks fan, I hope Mello would do that, and I hope Phil Jackson would do that. I mean, that would be the best-case scenario for us to tank and, uh, you know, get our foundation set. We have Porzingis, so we're obviously building around him, hoping right. that we get Frank Nilles, uh Frank Nilles, Nilles. how do you say his last, last Nilakina. Nilakina, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. one of my favorite prospects in the draft, you know, with that seven-foot wingspan. You know, everybody, uh, everyone here knows I'm super high on Frank Nilakina. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully we can get him, you know, seven-foot wingspan, decent shooter, he's athletic, you know, all all that. So we pair him up with Porzingis, then hopefully tank in, I'm hoping, get Luka Donic next season, maybe not. Yeah. If so, uh, I mean, you know, he's projected one to three, but maybe he falls a little bit or maybe we tank that bad. But in order to do that, in order to move on, from our 2013, you know, playoff run, and then, and then now, you know, Melo sitting there. Melo's good enough to win us games, but not good enough to carry us into the playoffs. So, obviously, we have to move on from Melo. Um, so, getting bought out and then, you know, him joining the Cavs. Honestly, I would like to see him joining the Cavs just to see him, you know, get that title, get his ring. Um, but as much as I like Melo as a player and a person and all that, I just don't see him in our future, and I don't see us, you know, doing anything with him there. So we get that foundation, like you said, you know, get get our point guard, whether that be Dennis Smith or, you know, Frank Nilakina or whoever it may be, you get our nice point guard in this draft. We pair him up with Porzingis. You know, we might go after a veteran and free agency to kind of lead the young team. Maybe not, you know, just depends on how we're going. And then next season, you try to get one of the young stars because next season looks to be a really uh, deep draft, in my opinion, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Luka Donich is my favorite prospect that I've seen in a long time, so as a Knicks fan, I'm hoping and praying that we can get a top three pick and pick him up. But if we don't, you know, like I said, it's a deep draft, so we can get anybody else, really. Um Maybe pick up, like I said, a veteran. My dream veteran would be like a J.J. Redick. I don't know if we'd have the cap to do that or not. Um, but yeah, I think that's you just... would because you're like if you bought if you bought Melo out for like twenty million, um, that would give you even more cap space than you currently have. And like I, yeah, I think I mean I think you could. I don't think necessarily J.J. Redick would want to go to the Knicks. Um, I think if he goes anywhere out for like a an absurd contract offer. 
that is just like way more than what he's worth. I think he goes to Philadelphia um, to kind of pair, pair up at that two with Markel Foltz, Ben Simmons, you know, Dario Saric and, and B. Um, but I do agree with you in the sense, well, two things. One, um, Donkic is my absolute favorite prospect as well uh, for next year's draft. Um, I know like Draft Express has him number one. Uh, NBADraft.com has him like number four. So like he's, he's at least last time I checked. So he's like somewhere in that range. Um, but even if you don't get him, if you can get – say, a Michael Porter, um, like, if you can get either one of those top two picks, because I think those two guys are going to be one and two. Um, right. And you draft a point guard in this draft, like you said, whether it be Nilakina or whether it be Dennis Smith, if you compare that point guard up with either Donkic at the, at the two or Porter at the three, whichever one you could maybe get, and then Porzingis at the four, like, you... And Aaron Gomez at the five. Maybe it's just because I'm super high on Nilakina, like maybe way higher than I, than you know he's going to end up uh, being. Um, but I think that is the foundation of a big three. And 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 if you can, if you can reach a buyout with Melo, especially if you can trim salary and do it at the same time. Right. Like you said, and like I was alluding to, like Melo wins you at least five more games a season, which only hurts mm-hmm. you because you're not getting into the playoffs. And even if you do, like – You're uh, not going nowhere you're, in you're it. You're getting knocked out in the first round. So, right. I mean, I would totally do it if I was Phil. I would totally do it if I was Mello. If I was Mello, I would probably say pay me my entire contract for next year um, and I will let you buy me out. Um, and if you don't do that, I will opt in. For, my, for the following year, <laughs> just the fuck with Phil. Like I, I would do that <laughs> if I was Mello. I would totally do it just to try and get as much money out of them as possible. Um, and then obviously, you know, go sign a veteran minimum with the Cavs. Uh, but hey, uh, let's go to Joel. Joel, what do you think about all of that being said? Uh, do you think that's a good idea for the Knicks? And do you think that's a good idea for Melo? Uh, it's a good idea for the Knicks. I mean, I, my, the best case scenario involves trading him more so than buying him out. Uh, but he's got the no that. trade clause. I know that, but I'm saying it's better than nothing is what I'm trying to say. That's the best case scenario. If you're going to ask me what's the best case scenario, getting something yeah, but, rather than nothing is the best case scenario. But no, I, 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 I totally understand that. I'm just saying this. If, if I, like I said, like when I started this, if I'm LeBron, I call up Melo and say, yo, I want you to come play here. Get Phil Jackson to buy you out and come play here. And, like, if, Phil, if Melo goes to Phil and says, hey, like, you can buy me out for X amount of dollars, but I'm going to turn down any trade that you try to, you know, to right. try to get. Like, if, if, it, if it's in that position, if you're Phil Jackson, I, I feel like you have to buy him out. You have to get him off your roster so you can legitimately, um, you know, try to get a top-tier talent next year. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with that. We have to start fresh. He has to go uh, eventually. And the worst case scenario is him not going anywhere and holding us hostage for the next two years. Um, right. It, 
that's not good for us as as a, as an organization, as fans, to watch us just sit there and maybe be good, uh, or maybe not, and fall flat in our faces. Well, with the yeah, player, and, that's you know? the, and that's the thing, man. Like, I think I think Mello being on that roster severely hampers Porzingis's. Um, ability to evolve as a player. Would you agree with that? I do. I do agree with that. He doesn't need to be there anymore. It's the young team now. We have to, he has to understand if Melo, even if Melo decides to stay, it's not your team anymore. It's the, it's the the youth movement now. So the kids are going to get the, get the push, you know, even if it means benching, there's no way he wants to stay there and and know he's going to probably not actually play the way, you know, the way he wants. So, in my opinion, I'm, I'm okay with the buyout if that's how it works out and leaves fine. The good, it's a good move for Cleveland. Knowing Melo likes his money, I doubt he does that. <laughs> but at the same time, he is getting bought well, out, so still make. Well, money. yeah, like, yeah, like I said, like if he if he negotiates a buyout, I mean, he he could honestly get more money by getting bought out if he gets bought out for his entire contract for. Right. Uh, the seventeen eighteen season, and then in in conjunction signs a, a veteran minimum with Cleveland. That's why that's why I think that makes so much more sense than Dwayne Wade opting out of his contract with Chicago and going to Cleveland. Like, I, if I'm Dwayne Wade, there's no chance that I'm turning down twenty three million plus dollars to play on a veteran minimum contract for Cleveland. I've already won three especially, especially Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Especially after you already won rings before, it's not like you're ring chasing anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. But like, that's and that's, and that's kind of what he was quoted as saying. Like, I can I could ring chase if I wanted to, but, you know, I've already won three, so I don't need to. Yeah, but right. they trade Jim Butler. It's like Chicago's less appealing by like a mile. <laughs> you know? What's that? But if I'm Dwayne Wade, and I, 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 why would I stay in Chicago if, trade, if, if Jimmy Butler gets traded? Is what I'm trying to say. Here's the reason why. Five million dollars. That's why you stay. Plus, <laughs> the, uh, you Dude, know, Chicago is his hometown. Dwayne is not going to make that anywhere else in I which he that, wants to play. Like, yeah, and it's his hometown. Like, like I mean, if, especially like <laughs> if you can play, if you can play for twenty-three point five million dollars, and they trade Butler. And you don't make the playoffs, you're putting a lot less mileage on your body. And then next year, you can, you know, wherever LeBron goes, you can follow and sign a veteran minimum. But I don't think you turn down $23.5 million to win one more championship when you've already won three. I, I, just, I don't see Dwayne Wade doing that. Um, I get what you're but Juwan, I want to get, I want to get your input on all this mellow talk. Um, you're, you know, I, I'm dealing with with four or well three big Knicks fans, and you're one of them. What do you think? Do you think that that buying out Mello would be the right move? Well, I mean, at this point, I don't care what's best for the Knicks. I, my only care is about Mello because I, I really love Mello. Um, but no, buy him out. I'm, I'm with you, Nick. Buy him out. Honestly. The only place he's going to give you the okay to trade him to is um, the Clippers or the Cavs, and you're not going to. Yeah, get that and it depends on the what the Clippers do this off season. I mean, it really does. I mean, well, yeah, if the, if if the Clippers, if the Clippers, Paul, if they don't keep Chris Paul, he's not going there. He's going to. Or no, even if they keep, 
yeah, even if they keep Chris Paul and they don't keep Reddick or Blake, like I still don't think I would want to go to the Clippers. Like, do you want to go to the know. Clippers just to play with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan? Let me ask you this. If let me ask you this, and this is a serious question because I honestly don't know, so I'm asking to sure. to, to find out. If Blake sure. and Reddick are gone, doesn't that leave you enough cap space to fit Melo and a Paul Millsap in? Oh uh, no, it doesn't. Um, no. It, yeah. No, because no, no, no. what hear they're going to have to pay. No, I mean, what they're going to have to pay Chris Paul, Chris Paul's going to get $35.7 million. That's the max contract for him. Um, right. So, like, with that and what you're already paying, uh, what you're already paying um, now, I will say this. If, if, um, if, Mello got bought out and then decided to go and sign a veteran minimum with the Clippers. I do think they would have the cap space to go get a Paul Millsap or Rudy Gay or you know somebody else who could who could play that position uh, or who could who could okay. uh, so I just, hit that roster. I just wanted to ask that, um, but no, uh, honestly, um, I agree with you. It does depend on what the Clippers do, but honestly, if you're the Knicks, you have no moves. Um, of trading him because honestly, if I'm the Cavs, I'm not trading Love for Melo when I could trade Love no. for Paul George, who's younger no. and all around a better player. So absolutely, um, and and on the same kind like, of deal, like both on a one year deal, um, with a player option right. that they can opt out of, and and Paul George right. is way cheaper. Like, don't forget that uh, Carmelo Anthony has the 15 percent uh, uh, cap kicker. So if he gets traded, yes, he, does. he gets 15%. His his salary goes up by 15% with a team like Cleveland that is already over the salary cap by an extraordinary amount. Yeah. Like so, you're talking that, that 15% turns into more like 50% as far as what you're paying right. into the, the luxury tax. So, I mean, the only, the only other thing it would leave, um, the only other option – the Knicks would have, but wouldn't get anything uh, necessarily that, that valuable back, um, would be either, um, no, I wouldn't even say Boston, um, would be uh, maybe Washington. Um, is the only if, he would, if he would go. accept a trade to Washington, yeah. He would, yeah. He would, he would probably. Trade. I'll tell you this. He would, here's the thing. You would probably have to get, you'd probably have to take back Ian Mahimney. Uh, sixteen million dollars a year center. You already have four centers, um, and he's got three years left on his deal. I, I, like, if I'm the Knicks, I'd rather just just cut him loose. I mean, th- <laughs> there's me. nobody. There's nobody that the that the Washington is, Wizards are going to offer. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. What I'm saying is, you could try to see what you could do of a three-team trade, right? Sure. Because only reason why I brought up Washington is because. He's from around that area. So they always said how if Wall and Beal were still there, that would be something. Because Washington were one of the places that were like, all right, if, you know, we have these two premier guards, let's try to go out there and get a mellow to team with uh, Morris and, and, and Gortat. Um, so I only brought up Washington in, in reference to a place he would be willing to go outside of Cleveland and the Clippers. But honestly, I, I you know, with everything I was saying, I agreed with you, Nick. Just cut them loose because you don't have any other trade partners 
because Cleveland's off the board, because if they can get Paul George, they're getting Paul George. Um, and Clippers, right. you don't even know what that situation is going to look like for him to even want to go there. So cutting him right. loose is the best option um, for them. Let him go where he wants. Let the Knicks start fresh. Let Przingis grow. Um, but if I'm the Knicks, what um, the owner should be thinking about is um, how much, I wouldn't say disdain, but how much dislike Przingis has for how Phil's running things. Um, oh, I think yeah. It spoke, I think it spoke volumes that Przingis sent his brother to that meeting with Phil instead of going himself. Absolutely. Um, I think Przingis does not have respect uh, for Phil as a um, GM. Um, maybe as, as, you know, Phil, the guy who coaches, maybe he does. But as the guy who's above him, I do not think um, he's like anything Phil has been doing with Melo. Um, in the direction he's been taking this team. Well, so and not to mention just his bitter thing. attachment to the triangle. Like, you're not exactly. the coach. His attachment so, to the like, don't try to coach my fucking team. I, that's the way I would feel right. if I was Jeff Hornacek. Like, because, I mean, I so, think all, all three of you can agree when the Knicks play their best, it's when they don't run the triangle and they run this kind of European flow-style offense and they Euro have, ball. you know... Yeah, and they have Kuzminkas on the floor and Porzingis on the floor yeah. and Hernan Gomez on the yep. floor. Like that, yep. And that's not a triangle offense. Like, I'll tell you this, though. I'll tell you this, I still what can't – I still, forgot. honestly, I can't, I can't fathom what the fuck was going on in James Dolan's head when he decided to extend Phil Jackson's contract for two more years. He could have, he could have opted out and gone and gotten somebody else. I I don't know why he didn't. Like that's just crazy I mean, to me. And honestly, Especially if- to be honest, I think people keep forgetting that Jeff Hornacek um, with not that much talent in Phoenix had that team looking really decent before you know uh, yeah. he was ultimately let go. Um, yeah. So to think about what he did with that Knicks team up until the Christmas point where they just been flatlined. When they were playing Jeff Hornacek's uh, type of offense, the Knicks looked really good. I mean, really good. Yeah, I mean, at one point, um, they were like a top four team in the East. They, they were. were. Like, like, with like 30 like, games into the like, season. Nope, like, it wasn't like it was like 10 games right. in. It was 30 games in. They were a top four or five team in the East. Right. So, I mean, like, I'll even say this. If there was any way you could get rid of Phil, I'd say keep mellow because that team looks really good with mellow uh um, over those it. guys but running <laughs> running that's offense the the issue well that and that was and when honestly he was trying that, to run the triangle with mellow no yeah and honestly that was kind of my reasoning for like my whole prisoningness for Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley and draft picks kind of trade um, but I mean, I totally, uh, obviously with what Boston just did, I think that's totally off the table and, you know, uh, obviously that's, that's just kind of a far-fetched trade. You, y'all, you guys know how I love to like plot out every single possible trade, uh, uh, oh, scenario. Oh, we know. We know. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, um, I think it'll be interesting. I think like, 
again, like I think this will be kind of one of the most interesting off seasons that we get. Like, I mean, whether it be Golden State and if they're able to retain all of their players, Iguodala. Like, here's the thing. Like, you know, Jawan said, and and I read this report earlier um, that Iguodala was was not very happy with the the contract offers that he was getting um, from. Golden State. I read that that Kevin uh, Kevin Durant was willing to take less money in order to keep him. You know what? If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm probably saying, "Look, you have his bird rights. Pay the motherfucker. Like I ain't taking less money. So like I'm already taking less money so that you keep the bird rights for Livingston and Kevin. Uh, I'm sorry, and Andre Iguodala. Like." Pay the motherfucker. Like, go way over the cap. Pull a Cleveland. You're you're in San Francisco, like or uh, Oakland right now. But you're going to be in San Francisco in in, in either a year or two. Like you're at in, least. you're in a much bigger market, um, and you're in a market in which both Oakland and San Francisco root for you. Like you don't have a competing well, I mean, team Nick. like the MLB or like the NFL. So like. Hey, Andre Iguodala, pay him $15 million a year. The biggest issue about paying Iguodala is Steph still hasn't gotten his contract. Yeah, but that's the thing. Steph, it's all bird rights. So they can go over the cap to sign all of those players, and Kevin Durant has already agreed that he will take his non-bird exception um, which is essentially 120% of his current contract. Um, and and basically, you know, that will give the the Warriors the opportunity to retain the bird rights to everybody that they have. Like, let Ian Clark go. Like, I'm totally fine with that. Like, let Ian Clark go. You got Patrick McCall. Patrick McCall can fill in for Ian Clark. You don't want to pay too many people, but you gotta you gotta re-sign Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. Like you have to do that, uh, especially if you know he's got the, the Cavaliers going after Paul George. I just I, mm-hmm. I just think you have to do that. And like if you're like and here's the thing like last year. Dan Gilbert, like, according to Forbes, which I don't always trust Forbes, like, they're, they're kind of, like, they they got some kind of spotty reporting, but according to them, like, the Cavaliers lost $40 million last year because of paying so many players, um, like, so much money, and, like, but if I'm Dan Gilbert, I'm, like, well fucking worth it. Like, I just won an NBA championship. I don't care about $40 million. I'm a fucking billionaire. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, like, I mean, if you're Golden State, you your team, your Golden State team is, I, I believe, the sixth best earner in the NBA um, as far as, like, how much money you make because of the market that you have. Um, you got to pay those guys. I mean, I'll even go a step further and say, um, to your point, you definitely have to sign Iguodala um, if the Cavs get Paul George because Iguodala at that point may have to start those finals. It might have to be Draymond, 
Iguodala, um, Durant, or switch those to Clay and Curry because the Cavs line yeah. ultimately would be like a Kyrie, J. LeBron, Tristan Thompson. So he's in because yeah, he's I, I agree because I think I think you want to have Iguodala on LeBron like for at least right, like twenty to twenty five minutes of the game. You know? Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, especially like like you said, especially because if they if they do trade love for um for Paul George, like obviously LeBron has to play the three. Or, I'm sorry, has to play the right. four. Um the four, yeah. And so, you know, at that at that point, like you know, you, you probably would prefer to have Iguodala guard him than Draymond Green, who's a little bit faster, a little bit more mobile. Um, not much, but a little bit. And then that would free up, you know, Draymond to, you know, try to fucking uh, get in Tristan Thompson's head, you know? Like, I I just think that's probably a better, a better scenario for them. Um, but uh, but uh, let's, move, let's move on. I got a spotlight um, – a little charity. We we have a segment called Charity Stripe, in which I spotlight uh, a charity from from a, an NBA player. And you know, for this week, I want to spotlight Jason Tatum. Now, Jason Tatum, he doesn't currently have a charity per se, um, but he wants to start a charity called the Single Mothers Program, and it's essentially. To help single moms, uh, he grew up uh, in a in a single parent household with his mom, uh, and I think it's super awesome that like this is especially for a 19 year old for this to be like something that's so um, on the forefront of his mind to want to do, uh, and and to be this kind of active already in the community. Like normally you don't see this until later down the road when these players are on their second contract and making millions upon millions of dollars. Um, but basically, you know, what, what Tatum, he, he wants to do this. He's very adamant about it. And he says the single mother's program it's something I would love to start if I'm fortunate enough to make the NBA and things like that. This was said uh, a couple years back when he was still like 18 years old. And he says, because I grew up in a single-parent home with my mom growing up, things weren't always the best. And just to be a blessing to some parent with a child and they're working and just to have a house to live in and a roof over your head, and free utilities, I think someone would be very grateful. And so with that in mind, like, basically it, it, it kind of makes me think the dude wants to start this charity and, and, and kind of search out single moms who are doing the best they can for their kids and offer them a place to live, you know, where they get, you know, some free utilities and they can use that money that they make on their kid and offer their kid a better future, put them in different programs, maybe get them music lessons, maybe, you know, get them, you know, tutoring, you know, what have you. And, like, as somebody who – I lost my dad when I was 15 years old, so I I didn't grow up 
with a, a single parent household, but I matured with a single parent household. My mom, from the point that I was 15 onward, played both the part of mom and dad. And, you know, she did the best she could with it and she did an amazing job. And so that, that just kind of, you know, touches the, uh, my heart a little bit that, you know, he wants to do this for kids, um, you know, who kind of face similar situations that he did. Um, so Jason Tatum, you may fall to like number six, uh, in the draft, but you're number one as far as any of these draftees and, you know, their morality. And so I already give you huge points for that brother. So Jason Tatum, big ups, man. Um, so let's move on. Uh, I want to go to a segment called on the perimeter. This is outside the league as far as, you know, outside the court. I want to talk about this, this Celtics Sixers trade because it's pretty crazy. Um, so essentially I'm going to break it down for you. The Celtics have offered, or it's, it's been agreed to at this point. The Celtics have, have traded the number one overall pick to the Sixers for the number three pick. And then they will also get the Lakers 2018 pick. If it falls between two and five, God. if it doesn't, then they will get the two in 2019. They will get uh, either the Kings pick or the Sixers pick, whichever is better, so long as that doesn't fall to number one. If it falls to number one, then they get the worst. So before we get into, like, all of the extremities as far as, you know, who, you know, what each team will do going forward, uh, I just want to briefly break down um, – who do you think was the biggest winner in this trade? Because I think both teams honestly were winners in this trade, but who do you think was the biggest winner in this trade? Uh, let's start uh, with Joel. Uh, I think it was a good swap, honestly. It's, uh, depending on how, how good Fultz ends up being. Because uh, if he's turned out to be really good, it, it, it might, I mean, who knows? Cause it, really, it really depends. Because what are they getting back? They're getting year's pick, and they're getting a uh, next year's pick. Um, uh, with, well, obviously it's protected, but uh, I mean they're taking a chance. It's not the first time they've taken a chance. Boston, they do that. They don't mind. They're confident. So I think it works for both sides, especially this year. Philly gets what they want. Boston gets what they want, which is basically either an asset or a, a nice trade piece. You know. Uh, regardless, I think it works out as an even swap at the moment. And well, we'll 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 know more in the future. But as of right now, I think it just works for both sides. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree. Like like I said, I think both teams are winners here. It's just a question as to maybe who's the who wins more. Um, and I think you know time will tell on that. Um, but uh, uh, Ricky, I want to go to you oh, next. Uh, like, do you think that this trade? Uh, is a win-win situation, and and if so, who do you think you know kind of wins out? Who do you think gets the better of the deal? 
Honestly, I think it's kind of too early to tell because if the Lakers pick ends up going to two to five and Boston keeps the picks, then I would say Boston's probably the winner. Or if Markel Fultz ends up being a superstar that a lot of people think he's going to be, me personally, I'm not as high as Markel Fultz as most people, but if he is a superstar that most people say he's going to be, then, you know, the Sixers, that's their final piece. That's the piece that they need to take them over the top for the future. So, you know, they could be the winners. I think it works out for both because, you know, there's been a lot of talks of Boston tearing up the picks and the assets they got from the Sixers and, you know, maybe trying to flip for a superstar like, you know, Anthony Davis, which I think is not going to happen because, you know, you haven't let the DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis experiment work out, at least give it a season. Um, but right. if they did that or if, you know, if they packaged it for Jimmy Butler or Paul George or whatever, you know, there's a lot of different things that can happen. We haven't, you know, we haven't seen, uh, we haven't had enough time to see how it's going to play out. Um, it really it all depends on how Martel Fultz develops, um, where the second pick lands. So, you know, if it's two to five from the Lakers, you know, that would be a good pick. If not, and the it gets to the Kings and the Sixers, and I know me and you were talking earlier, if the Kings and the Sixers both end up being good, then, you know, you know that's kind of a long way away, so you can't really tell if they're going to be good or bad. If they both end up being good, they get, you know, lower picks, like lower in the lottery or maybe not even a lottery pick, which I doubt, but, you know, that could have been not as valuable as a pick as you thought it was going to be. And then, you know, the Sixers obviously won out on that deal. So, honestly, it's just going to really have to wait time to tell. I think both teams did a good job on this trade. I think it's going to work out for both. But, you know, you're just one of those things you're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I don't think there's any chance they don't end up, even if, if the Lakers pick either conveys number one or number six or later, I don't think there's any chance they don't end up with a lottery pick in, in 2019, but it could be a late lottery pick. And if, like, yeah. let's say, for example, like, let's say the Kings are just atrocious, um, because that's that's definitely a possibility. And let's say they get the number one over in 2019 so that the Sixers get to keep it. Um, so if the Lakers pick doesn't pan out between two and five, and then in 2019 the, the Kings get the number one overall pick, which then goes to, to the Sixers, I mean, in two years' time, if everyone can stay healthy, the Sixers could easily be – a a low like a seven eight seed playoff team, and then you're looking at because of the way that the protections balance out, you're looking at a you know fifth, number fifteen or number sixteen pick. So right, I think there's a I, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a, a lot to what you're saying that like you just don't know. You just like I mean, yeah. I don't. It would take an extraordinary amount of circumstances for it to pan out that way. But it could pan out that way, and plus, you know, so I, this year, I, I, I somewhat, go ahead. This year's, you know, one of, like next year. I mean, we talked about this earlier. This year's a deep draft. Next year's a deep draft. Um, especially this year, you have Martel Fultz and Lonzo Ball at the top two, which is pretty much obvious. Then you have great right. talent like Josh Jackson that would normally be a number one pick in any other type of draft, or you have maybe like a Jason Tatum, which would be a good fit. You know, you have 
Although Hell you're a Tatum hater, right? I'm not a Tatum you hater. Um, you, but you're not as high on him as a lot of people. You, you, yeah, you I'm not, project him lower than four, right? Yeah, I had him going six. No, 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 I had him going four. I had him going four, but in some drafts I had him going six. I mean, I'm not high on him, but it's not like I'm I'm growing on him. I guess you could say. Ah, uh, okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm always weary of those Duke players, man. The Hawks took Sheldon Williams yeah. back in like 2002, <laughs> I think, and that turned out to be an atrocious pick. And obviously, Christian Leitner is also a bad pick. Um, Grant Hill would have been a good pick had he, had he stayed healthy but he didn't. Uh, J.J. Redick was the number two overall pick, and by no accounts is he, like, on that caliber. Like, you you wouldn't want to take J.J. Redick right. number two. So, like, I'm always weird about these players. It, it was number three to number one. If it was the NFL, then, you know, that's not that big of a difference. But in the NBA, number one and number three, you know, that's a big drop-off because, number one, you know, that's the franchise players who well, get taken. I, mean, I think it just depends. In this, I think it depends yeah. on if, number no, like, with this draft, I don't necessarily think it's that big of a drop-off. Exactly. Like, that. last year's draft, it definitely was because I think, exactly. you know, Simmons and Ingram, and I know, like, I think you're not too, too at least last year you weren't too keen on Ingram. Um, and I honestly, I think I kind of buy your argument that Jalen Brown could turn out to be as good of a player as Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. Like so, so last year, like yeah, you you really had like Simmons at number one, and then there was a big drop off, and then Ingram, uh, and then a few like, and then really you got Ingram and 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 Brown, and then there was another drop off because. Dragon Bender did not take any huge steps forward this past season. Uh, Chris Brown, uh, I'm sorry, Chris Dunn doesn't seem to be um, a, a starting point guard in the league. At least, right. yeah, he doesn't seem to be the talent everyone thought. And and the Celtics were, I mean, super smart, like because everyone last year said he's the clear number three overall pick, and the Celtics were like, no, he's not. So. You know, I kind of have a little bit of faith in the Celtics with this trade that, you know, maybe they see something the rest of us don't see. Yeah. I mean, Josh Jackson, I had in my first mock draft, I had Josh Jackson getting taken by the Celtics first overall. So, right. I mean, obviously in, this, obviously in this trade, you're most likely going to get Josh Jackson unless something weird happens with the Lakers. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a bad trade at all, all I'm saying is you have to be confident in Josh Jackson being one of the best players in the draft, which I am. I'm very high on Josh Jackson, and I'm not as high as Fultz as most people. And apparently, on a report that I read earlier today, um, this one of the main reasons this trade actually happened was the Celtics had a private workout with Fultz, and they weren't that impressed with him. Um, so they, yeah, they didn't think he was he was head and yeah. tails above the rest of the talent. Right. So I mean, right. if you get Josh Jackson at three, you know, good trade. Um, but yeah, overall, like I said earlier, just time's gonna tell. Um, if it's a good trade up for the Celtics and the Sixers, I think it is as right now. But I, it's just one of those things we're gonna have to wait and see. 
Absolutely. Uh, Jawan, um, you know, what do you, what do you think about this trade? Do you think there was a, a major winner in this trade? And, you know, where do you see, uh, you know, obviously the, the Sixers are going to take uh, Fultz. Um, do you think that the Celtics take Jackson? Do you think they maybe take somebody else? And, and like I said, who do you think really won this deal? Juwan? He retired. Juwan has retired. <laughs> I, I mean, he's still on the line. Uh, well, I, I, let me elaborate. Um, because I do think my my biggest hang-up with this deal is that, like I, I mentioned earlier, that there's the potential that you don't get a top-five pick out of this. Um, honestly, with the protection that you know is had on the um, Sacramento and Philadelphia picks in 2019, like I would have, I would have been all down for this trade uh, for the Celtics if there wasn't that protection. Like if you could, like if it was just you get the better of the Kings and Sixers picks in 2008. Uh, 19. If the 2018 Lakers pick doesn't convey between two and five, um, I have a, I have I have a mean, question I, for I, you, Dick. I mean, I haven't dug deep into this trade and the ideas behind it, and I get not having a protection for the pick one for the Lakers. But why does yeah. it have to fall in between two and five? And if it goes to six or below, why why wouldn't they be willing to give that up? Do you have well a reason behind I, that? I, yeah, I I don't know for sure because I don't know who necessarily like was the the catapult behind that idea. Um, like if it if it wasn't for the number one protection in 2019, I would assume that it would be the Celtics behind that because they're basically saying we want a top five pick. Um, and furthermore, like if you can push your assets down the line, all the better, because I think ultimately the Celtics want to go get Anthony Davis. And I agree with you, Ricky. I don't think now is the time to trade for him. I think you wait until the boogie experiment fails, because I, mm-hmm. I would head my bets that it fails. Like, uh, you you got two uh, big men who play the same offensive game. I, I just – who – kind of really don't – I don't think they work well together. Um, you know, when everybody was saying how bad the Kings, you know, like the the Kings basically gave gave up uh, Cousins for nothing, I was like, no. Like, they, I mean, it, it, you know, if you, if you were following, you know, all of their picks and everything closely, if they didn't get a top ten pick with their own pick – then that went to Chicago. So they needed to make sure that they didn't convey that pick to Chicago. They su- successfully did that and have been able to achieve a number five pick out of that. Um, and then furthermore, you know, with getting the uh, uh, the Pelicans pick, they got the number ten pick. Um, didn't they? I, didn't they get pick three and then Philly switched them for five? Yeah, they actually, because Philadelphia had the, the pick swap, 
um, they actually did land the third overall pick, and it ended up being conveyed to to Philly. But honestly, like as as much as I've um, reviewed this draft, I don't think it makes that much of a difference um, because yeah. I think Fultz and Ball are the obvious one and twos, and then I think um, as far as for Sacramento, they have to get a point guard, and so if they Dear were number Fultz. three. Yeah, they would still take Fox, yeah. and I think Fox will be available at five. And if Fox is not yeah. available at five, like let's say, um, you know, the Celtics take Jackson, yeah. and then you know the Kings take Fox, like you got Dennis Smith, and and Dennis Smith is got a lot of potential. He scares me personally because of his his injuries, his his previous injuries, um, the ACL tear in high school. Like anytime someone tells, tears their ACL, like that just like, I'm immediately, like, I'm the kind of guy who, when I build my um, my uh, uh, fantasy team, I don't take anybody who's injury-prone because I'm betting that if I do, they'll get hurt throughout the year. So I'm like, like I'll, I'll skip over, you know, somebody who's really good. Like, I'll skip over a Zach Levine uh, to take, you know, somebody who's maybe not quite as good just because I don't I don't want to have to deal with their injuries. So it kind of translates the same thing to, to, to you know, real-life free agency. But, like, I think it's interesting because I do think that the Celtics made a good move. I don't like the top one protections. Uh, I don't, particularly for 2019, but I, I do think as far as for their for their future, they made a good move. Um, so let me just pose this question. Where do you think – obviously the Sixers are going to take Fultz. Like that's a foregone conclusion. That's their guy. That's who they're going to take. If you're the Celtics with the number three pick, what do you do with that? Who do you take? Or maybe do you try to package it for somebody – like that's, I think that'll be kind of the most intriguing thing to follow from this point forward. Joel, if you're the Celtics and you have the number three pick, what do you do with it? Actually, um, Nick, Joel just actually just messaged us. Uh, he had to go. Oh, okay. Well, Jawan, you're back. So what do you do with it? Well, if I'm the Celtics, what I do with that is I um, – See if I can spin that um, and possibly get Anthony Davis. Um, honestly, he is what they need, especially going forward. Um, you'll have more good years with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, um, than you would uh, Al Horford. Al Horford, is, I don't want to say a shell of himself, but not the. Oh well, he had a he had a really good year this past year. No, he did have a good year, but I'm saying if you can. Then your draft picks for Anthony Davis. Um, oh, absolutely. At the expense of an Al Horford, I I, I, I absolutely do it. Anthony Davis more than, than Al Horford. Um, well, I mean, to me, it just depends on how many draft picks you have to give up. Like, if you, if you can, I give up three for Anthony Davis. You give up three, but which three? That's the thing because, like, to me, like I I don't know if I would give up say, this year's number three pick and the Brooklyn pick and the Lakers pick. 
I, th- those are just t- those are three like primo uh, potential primo draft uh, spots. I don't I don't know if I would give up all of that and Horford to get the, Davis. I, I like I just the I only way like you're getting if you waited. I just feel like if you waited out and the Cousins, like I, again, I'm hedging my bets on the fact that the Cousins experiment doesn't work, and then in the offseason, he decides to go somewhere else, and then you can get Anthony Davis for less. I see what you're saying, but that's a risk you do not want to take. I mean, if if you go back to the whole mellow trade, right? Now, everyone always makes fun of the Knicks as being these idiots who pulled the trigger way too fast, right? On mellow trade, pretty much the entire farm and the land to get mellow. Now, the reason why I never thought they were stupid for doing that is because free agency, there are no sure things. He could have sworn up and down to you that New York is where he's going to go, right? Now, as soon as the Lakers have a meeting with him, Miami Heat has a meeting. You know, all these teams have a meeting with them. Now maybe a lot of things start to change, and he might lean towards going somewhere else. So what I'm yeah, saying is – Yeah, but Anthony Davis can, isn't a free agent for a while, so that, that no, sort of – No, he's not. Um, not. So if you're, if you're the Celtics, what you have to be thinking is, I have it ready to where we could start winning now. We just need a right. dominant piece like an Anthony Davis to push us over that hump. So what I'm saying is I know he's not a free agent for a while, and I know you can ultimately play that waiting game. That's just a very dangerous game to play. Um, And honestly, I don't think any of the draft picks they could potentially get between now and then are going to amount to being better than what we know Anthony Davis to be at this present moment. Oh, absolutely not. If you can go get him, go get him. And at the least, I'm giving them this year's pick. And I'm seeing if I can package that with maybe Horford and Crowder. Um, and I'm seeing what I can get right now for Anthony Davis um, rather than playing the waiting game um, oh. with AD. Yeah, I totally agree. You test the waters. I just think that what New Orleans would demand in return, being that Davis has signed on for like three more, four more years, I think three more years. Um, I just don't think that they would be willing to let him go for a cheap enough price for Danny Ainge, especially to, you know, basically uh, go forward with that trade. I, I just, I, I just don't see that happening. If you can get him, uh, and 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 like, let's say you can get him for Al Horford. And I don't think you could combine Jay Crowder. Um, I think that because Al Horford makes like four million dollars more than Crowder, or I mean more than uh, than Davis. So I don't I don't necessarily think you could combine Crowder without taking back another contract in return. And they absolutely have no other valuable contracts in that range. Um, but if you could get him for Al Horford and let's say the number three pick, the Lakers pick and, like, a lesser first round. Like, let's say the Clippers 2019 or Memphis 2019. I wouldn't want to give them the Brooklyn pick. Um, And I think, basically, they would want that. Like, they would be like, we'll make the deal, but we want the number three, we want the Brooklyn, and we want 
you know, the Lakers 2018 pick. And I think if I'm Boston, I'm just like, that's too much. Like, I'll wait a year I, I, and hope hope that the, the experiment fails and, you know, just figure shit out. I see what you're saying. Even then, honestly, go ahead, Ricky. Even then, if you offered that to New Orleans, I don't know if they would be ready to pull the trigger on trading Anthony Davis, meaning that they just now went to win-now mode for trading for Cousins. Um, and that's, all, they yeah, to, that's certainly a possibility, man. Like, they might if they, be like, nah. They would be, yeah, if, if they, they wanted, mean, they, might, they might say that. Yeah. If you look at it from the way the Pelicans are, which you're absolutely correct, Ricky, you have uh, the Twin Towers 2.0, more athletic, um, can shoot from any, any inch of the field, both of those two big guys. They rebound right. at a high level. They play defense at a at a at a high level, and well, they both Davis can bring does. the ball up court. Cousins, yeah. Well, Davis does. Cousins, cousins. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. He plays I'll defense I'll when he wants to. Right, um, and they both can bring the ball up the court. So that's like a a 2.0 version of of Tim Duncan and David Robinson. So you don't let right, that go. Right, but it's a completely you, different you definitively era. Definitively, no. No, no, no. I I completely agree. I completely agree. But what I'm saying is. Yeah. When you get a combination like that, you don't let it go unless you definitively know that um, there's no way it's going to work. So Celtics getting Anthony Davis would seem more likely next year once Davis or and Cousins has a full year together or by the deadline. I, 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 I'd say they're more inclined to see how the full season goes with those two. If it's just not completely working out, Deadline, um, then I'll uh, deadline, then I'll agree with you. But well, I'd and, say if you're the Pelicans, mention, yeah, I was just gonna say, go and not to mention, like it, it, if it, it, you know Demarcus Cousin walks in free agency, then your your asking price for Anthony Davis goes way down. Well, I mean, like. I mean, would you agree with that? Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, no, I, I just think that I, def- I definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's like, I mean, I think you've got to, if you're Boston, you you offer a trade, but if it gets turned down, you don't throw away the farm to get Davis when you when you like, especially because. Horford is signed for the next three years, and Davis is signed for the next three years. So you have the comparable contract to be able to trade for Davis, and you have picks throughout the next few years. So, like, I think you can wait it out and wait until that goes down and get Davis at a later date um, and, and, you know, not have to give up as much. I don't, I don't think you go in for him this year. Um, plus that 2018 so, Brooklyn pick is one of the most valuable picks that I think I've seen in a long time. So I don't know if yeah. I'd be ready to pull a trigger on that. But like we talked earlier, Absolutely. you know, Michael Porter Jr., Luka Donich, uh, DeAndre Ayton, all these big name talents coming in next yeah. season. You know, it's going to be one of the best drafts I think we've seen in a while. So at Brooklyn, yeah, pick, and, and uh, it's going to be who's Mamba or Bamba. Uh, uh, Muhammad Bamba, yeah, yeah Muhammad Bamba, overall prospect, and and like he can play the four, which they desperately need. So like, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think you give up that Brooklyn pick for him. 
Yeah, I don't think you give up that Brooklyn pick for easy. anybody. Yeah, I wouldn't personally. Like, I mean, that I would yeah, give up any that. other pick, but that Brooklyn pick is way too valuable for me. Yeah, me and I think, and I think, given Dan, Danny Ainge's history, I I think he would probably feel the same way we do on that, Ricky. Um, go ahead, Jordan. Then if you're going to play the waiting game, then for right now, do you then, uh, if you're Danny Ainge, if you can go get um, Jimmy Butler or sign a Gordon Haywood in free agency, do you then move oh, forward no. to uh, – for... No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, do you sure. then move um, Horford and maybe Crowder and see if you can go out and maybe get a Brooke Lopez? Um, no, uh, I wouldn't do that because you have to sign Brooke Lopez next year. He's on a one-year deal. Um, and you don't know what he's going to command. Um, what I would do is this, and this is, I, I don't necessarily think Danny Ainge is going to do this, but I think this would be their best play. Um, if, if I were Danny Ainge and the Celtics, what I would do is I would try to, I would take, in the draft, I would just go into the draft with what you have. I would take Jason Tatum at number three because that means that Josh Jackson is going to be taken at number four by the Suns, and De'Aaron Fox is going to be taken at number five. It means that Jonathan Isaac is probably the most valuable prospect left at number six. And the Magic, they really need scoring. They desperately need scoring. So if you can convince the Magic to trade you to to draft um, uh, Jonathan Isaac and trade you Jonathan Isaac for Jason Tatum, and in in congruency with that, you ask them, the Magic also own the number 33 overall pick from the Lakers and the number 35 overall pick, which is their own. Um, I think you try to get six, you try to get uh, Isaac, 30, the 33rd pick, the 35th pick, and then you give them Jason Tatum and the 53rd pick and the 57th pick. Um, and here, here's you know kind of my breakdown as, as to the reason why. Um, if you do that, you cut roughly – million extra dollars off your salary cap. Um, If you were to do that and you bring up Yabusele and and Zizic um, as they're expected to do, you would have roughly $29.4 million in cap space. Uh, The max contract... Uh, with the with the projection of a $101 million cap, which is what um, it's projected to be right now. Um, so you would have $29.4 million. So basically uh, roughly a little over $900,000 less than the max to offer Hayward. I think Hayward would take that. And if he wouldn't, you could trade um, uh, – you could trade um, uh, Rozier – and easily achieve the max. Um, I, but I think if you basically, you know, were like, yo, Gordon, just take $900,000 less than the max, and we can keep Rozier because he's a, kind of a, a pivotal part of our offense, especially if we're going to take you, um, I think he would do it. And 
Jonathan Isaac fills the need that they have more so than any other player in this draft. They need a four. They have the only four they have next year is Yabusele, and he's not even proven. He's been playing overseas. So if you can get Yabusele and Jonathan Isaac, um, who I honestly think is is not that far talent wise behind um, Josh Jackson, who I think is kind of the you know consensus number three, um, and you know if you can pull that off and get the number 33 and number 35 pick, and they already own the number 37 pick. So you could fill out your roster with so much depth with that trade. And even if you can't get, like, both of those picks, you can get one of them or maybe both of them for 37 and 53 or something like that. Like, you're still looking at a much better roster, um, you know, uh, as far as depth-wise is concerned. Um, but if you can get all three of them, if you can get 33, 35, and 37, like just last year, uh, Ivaka Zubat's Lakers was taken number 32, and I believe um, uh, uh, the the fuck what's his name the the Bucks player, the young the rookie of the year candidate. What's his name? Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, Brogdon, Brogdon. He was taking like number 36-ish, somewhere in there. So if you have three opportunities at mid-30s picks, I, I feel like you're bound to hit on one of them. Um, yeah. And I don't think I, – I just don't – I personally don't think Isaac is that much further of a step back than Tatum. But, you know, if you're Orlando, you need offense. And Tatum provides offense. And your biggest hole is at the three. And I think Isaac fits better at the four. So I don't necessarily think they, they would be super sold on Isaac. If they could get Tatum, I think they would at least give up one of those second-round picks for a later second-round pick, if not both of them. Um, so that's what I would do if I was if I was Danny Ainge. Um, and in doing that, like I said, you can offer Hayward – super close to the max contract and if he demands the max you can make a a tiny move that doesn't really affect your core Um, Mm -hmm. and then after that if you sign Hayward then you start exploring the possibilities of trading Crowder and Bradley um, packaging those two together and trading for either Jimmy Butler or Paul George Obviously, Jimmy Butler, those two players, for Jimmy Butler, you would have to throw in additional draft picks. I think as low as Paul George's sell value is right now, you could probably get away with trading just Bradley and Crowder for Paul George straight up. Um, You certainly wouldn't have to give up a top first-round pick in addition to those players. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, that's what I would do, and... I just think Isaac fits what they need more than either Tatum or Jackson. And if you had that lineup, you would essentially have Thomas. Uh, Thomas, let's say you you made the trade for Butler. Let's just like assume you did. You, you would have Thomas, Butler, Hayward, 
Yavisele and um, uh, Horford, and then off the bench, you would have Smart, Rosier, um, uh, Brown, uh, Isaac, and Zizic. Like, that's that's a fucking great team. And you still keep, like, so much of your, your future assets in order to keep building. Um, plus, if any, that's what plus I, if any that's of what the I would do 30 personally. picks. I'm sorry? Yes, yeah. Uh, plus, you plus get the, is, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the mid-30s picks in order to fill out the depth of your roster where you could get someone like a, a Caleb Swan again or Jordan Bell, or, you know, a Josh Hart. Like, there's so many players. Like, this draft is so deep. Like, there will be at least one, if not two or three players that get taken between 30 and 40 who turn out to be a Malcolm Brogdon, who turn out to be really good players. I'm really, really high. I'm really, really high on Dylan Brooks. I think he's going to be one of the second-round picks that turns out really good. So, you know. I'm, if I'm a little less Brooks, high on. Though. Yeah, I'm a little less high on Dylan Brooks only because um, he's only six seven and he doesn't have the greatest shot. Um, I'm I'm much more high on Jordan Bell, and it's weird because mm-hmm. Jordan Bell is only like six eight six nine and he projects best at the center, but he's so athletic. Like he can jump. I think he had the greatest leap in the combine. Like uh, and like. I, I think he's going to be super good. I think the Lakers are going to take him at 28, but there's certainly the potential that he could fall um, into those mid-30s picks. But, they, I mean, regardless, there's going to be so many players that you can hedge your bets on, and if you have three to choose from, and you get Jonathan Isaac, who certainly can play the four, he's he, and he's so versatile, too. He can guard all five positions. I mean, the guy's six mm-hmm. foot eleven with like a seven two, seven one, seven two wingspan. Like that is insane. And I mean, he... personally, with personally, I love the trade. Um, I love this trade, but at the same time, you know, it's if are you going to pick team needs or are you going to pick uh, pure talent? So I know the Celtics has been known for picking pure talent in the past. So like. Best player available, I think it's clearly Josh Jackson. I mean, you right. might not be as high on Josh Jackson as I am. No, I, 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 I certainly I personally, think he's the third best player. Yeah, I personally like, think he's to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he is a bar none the obvious third best prospect, and he could potentially be the best player in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thinking is is that two things. One, if you can get quality second-round picks, you can kind of counteract that with depth um, by giving mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, Jackson for Isaac. And then uh, – or, or basically, like, the reason I would take Jason Tatum is because if you take – if you took Josh Jackson, I think there's the possibility that Tatum could fall to six, and then that would make your trade null and void, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you strictly want to deal with – the Magic because of their early second round picks, um, but like I think that by getting Jackson instead of Isaac and those draft picks, and by getting the number 
by taking the number six tick instead of the number three, you're freeing up one point four ish million dollars to be able to use in, in cap space because of the cap holds that come with a uh, first round pick, and they obviously get lower and lower the lower the pick is. So uh, my feeling is that if you can fill the roster need you have, improve your depth, and maximize your uh, uh, ability to offer a max contract to Hayward, or at least come as close as possible to offering a max contract to Hayward, to me that just makes sense on so many different levels that it's worth taking Isaac instead of Jackson. Yeah. Also, I want to uh, throw out a point here. If you do go best player available and you do take Josh Jackson, uh, you have so many defensive-minded players already on the roster. That, and you, you have know, so Josh many Jackson's an, Especially if you're going to go get Hayward. Yeah, like, if, yeah. if you do take Jackson, you have, at that point, if you don't trade anybody, you have Crowder, Hayward, uh, uh, Bradley, uh, Bradley, Brown. thank you, Brown, and then you add Jackson to that, like, you don't, like, at best That's you That's kind want of a four. log jam right there. It is. And, like, and, and furthermore, you have nobody who can comfortably play the four other than Yabusele. Mm-hmm. Like, you have, like, nobody. I mean, Horford can, but then even if you're playing Horford at the four, then you have only one center in Vizic. So... Unless, you know, of course they have the number 37 draft pick. So they could, I would suspect if they don't do what I'm proposing, they would draft either a power forward or a center at 37. Maybe like a Jonathan Motley. Um, But nevertheless, like, uh, I just think that, like, you don't want five guard, shooting guard, small forward wing type players. Like, that's just too many to have on one roster. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Plus, most of them, you know, are defensive-minded and can't really shoot the ball, and Jackson's the, the exact same way. So, yeah, honestly, I'm I'm really high on Jackson. I think he's probably the best player in the draft. Um, yeah, I know there's disagreements with that. Fultz and Ball, obviously, a lot of people are saying are higher. So I would kind of be contemplating what I would do there. Would I take best player available that you already have and maybe move some of the – you know, maybe move Crowder or Brown or whoever you want to move for a different type of player. Or, like you say, you trade down even more uh, and try to pick up somebody like Isaac, which fits your needs. So I think Celtics have a lot of thinking to do on what you need um, and what you want to do. Do you want to take best player available? Do you want to go more about team needs? Or do you even want to take a different type of player at three and just take a reach even? I don't think that's the smartest thing to do, but that's something they might consider. If yeah, I would no never trade reach. off Israel. Yeah, I would never reach if you can if you can prevent it, and I think they could prevent it with you know with what I yeah. propose. Um, and and you know, I just I just think that uh, you, you want to like as far as like trading the pick or anything like that. Like I would do this because it it mainly because it fills the positional need, you can get more depth, and because it gives you more cap space. And then if you get Hayward, like if that's a, like everybody assumes that's a foregone conclusion, but I would never assume that. Like I think you want to get Hayward before you make any other kind of deal. 
And so if you do land Hayward, then you can try to package, say, um, I would probably say Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, that Lakers uh, weird pick situation from the Sixers, and one other first-rounder for Jimmy Butler. And, like, if you could pull that off, I mean, I think that's a pretty reasonable, like, I think that's honestly almost even the the Celtics giving up a little too much, given how good Bradley and Crowder are. Um, but something in that in that sort of, you know, scenario, because if you could get Thomas, Butler, Hayward, uh, you know, Yaviselli and Isaac playing the four, and then Horford, like, then maybe you do say, all right, let's just go ahead and, and try to see what we can, you know, make happen as far as trading Horford for Davis and giving up, you know, the Brooklyn and then a few other picks and everything else. Um, because, I mean, if you can achieve a lineup of Thomas, Butler, Hayward, Yavisele, and Anthony Davis with all of the, the bench players that you have, like, that that might be worth selling the farm for. Just because if you were able to get Butler, um, you know, and add Davis, then I think you would be on par with Golden State. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but then again, like, as a GM that's so high on the 2018 uh, draft class, I don't know if I could still – it would pain me to pull the trigger and trading that Brooklyn 2018 pick. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, man. Like, just because the, the potential for it being – so high, like I, I love, like I said, I love uh, Doncic. Uh, I'm right there with you. He's, he's like my number one as of now. And even Michael Porter is just like a great, a great trade. Yes. Um, we got about a minute left, fellas. Um, Juwan, uh, do you just real quickly? Do you think I'm crazy in all of my like uh, fucking inner working proposals, or do you think I at least make some amount of sense? No, some of those I definitely agree with you on. Word. Well, I appreciate that, considering how you're always the one to veto all of my trade proposals. <laughs> so <laughs> it does warm my heart a little bit that uh, that you uh, at least like parts of this one. Um, well, thank you, everybody out there, for joining another episode of Full Court Press. Ricky, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Uh, thanks, man. Anytime. Word. Uh, and Jawan, as always, thank you uh, for everything you do uh, for this and Geek Vibes and everything else. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Same time, same channel. Peace out, guys.